Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, of course, Jeremy Feinstone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. And, Jeremy, we have talked over and over again and joked on this show about how it was going to be just a nice, quiet week, and then something huge would happen. Mm -hmm. We finally got our nice, quiet week. Uh, we were kind of talking about this before we went on the air <laughs> There were no events that were on New Japan World. There were a few events that took place. We'll talk about the results of those. Nothing too earth-shattering, I have to say. And uh, then uh, we're looking ahead to a couple of Cork and Hall shows. And uh, it was actually the quiet week. No word on Okada yet. Some, some We hear AEW, we hear WWE, but nothing yet. So uh, nothing earth-shattering. And uh, here we are, Jeremy, about a week later, and uh, now we can just kind of chat and talk about uh, how things have been going with the company. It's, we're really not a, yeah. It's going to be more of a free-flow conversation than usual, isn't it? Kind of feels like no eyes are on New Japan right now. Well, uh, there's there, yeah. there news everywhere else. New Japan yeah. is incubating until it's time for them to put something interesting out there into the world, either being in the 11th, the 23rd, the 24th, New Japan Cup. But there weren't any shows this week. I went on to New Japan World a couple of times, saw a couple of packages, video packages put up there, saw an impact match that I decided to catch up on. But uh, yeah, the homework was light. The homework was yeah, light. It was. Uh, hi, Colin. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, glad to see you. I mean, of course, the biggest news of the week had uh, little to do with New Japan. The only way you could really tie it to it is that there's a former IWGP champion involved in this whole mess over there uh, in uh, WWE, which we saw with. Uh, the lawsuit and things, and of course Brock Lesnar, uh, part of all that, and uh, apparently was pulled out of the Royal Rumble at the last second mm -hmm. after as the fallout from this. Uh, like I mentioned, Brock. Former, One Mr. Uh, Braun Breaker got every single position spot in that match that uh, Brock Lesnar was supposed to get. Yeah, and you know that, like I said, it, it's a tenuous tie uh, here between New Japan and anything here. We are a New Japan show. This is uh, an, an elephant in the room, and uh, you know the, the only thing you can think of is that you know with if what's in this thing is true, then I don't think I personally don't feel like Brock Lesnar needs to be around the wrestling business a whole lot at all. And uh, you know the thing is, you worry uh, as we have seen with uh, Matt Riddle, who doesn't have the best record when it comes to. Uh, dealing with uh, either women or the legal system in this country that, uh, you know, he's, he's come in and, you know, it, we, there's been these talks that like, well, maybe if Brock can't get into WWE, would he go back to new Japan? I don't see him traveling that much. Uh, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, the idea of Brock coming back to new Japan, it, he doesn't seem to want to go on the road like that. He certainly they, they can't get, pay him what he wants. Certainly like it, not. It's a money thing for, for yeah, yeah. It, he is not in this for the love of the game at all. He doesn't really particularly he doesn't particularly care for wrestling that much. Uh, and as we've seen, he does as little of it as possible. So I'm not worried about that part. And uh, I, I so this is one time when I think that uh, New Japan, who have brought in some rather unsavory characters in the past. I, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Brock being brought back to New Japan. I think, like you said, the money's wrong. I don't think he's interested in being on planes that much and leaving uh, home to go across the world. So uh, I think we can just let these guys marinate in their own filth here and just go yeah. away. And uh, hopefully we don't see Vince McMahon ever again, although I've been hoping for that for 10 years for uh, a very I think reasons. this is gone. 
I think if we're, we're like, going to jump into this real quick, I think Vince is never coming back. This is this is too this is too the deep the dagger's too deep. When okay. it comes to Brock, knowing that this is in depth, knowing that this is TKO, knowing that this is UFC, and if a dollar can be made after enough time has passed, this is a company that has constantly employed John Jones, Conor McGregor. Sean Strickland, you know, like you got all these names that are very controversial and have done things very similar to what Brock uh, have been accused of things very similar to what Brock has done, Conor McGregor included. So I think timing wise, they might try and feel it out, but I don't think we're going to see Brock for a very long time. The plans were potentially him and Gunther and him and Dominic at the Elimination Chamber. None of that's happening. He's gone. He he's he's away for a while, and there are things that he might have to deal with in his personal life based off of what happened out of there. And you know, he might not have time for WWE. So, uh, or anywhere else for that matter. But he is still under contract. Uh, I don't know how long he's gonna be under contract for. So even the idea of him coming to New Japan, both money and anything else. The whole thing is gross, but I don't think New Japan is going to be uh, in the Venn diagram of this anytime soon. Yeah, and, and we're we're dealing enough with uh, Riddle being here, and uh, we're we're kind of holding our nose and and uh, moving forward with that one. I don't think we need a whole lot more than that. Colin has it right there. Uh, it, it's uh, we, you know, uh, boy. The one thing I hope is that eventually the other people that were involved in all this get run out of the company. But mm-hmm. uh, all that is going to be money and not morality. It's it's always money. It's not not morality that drives these things and. It's possible they were going to kick McMahon to the curb anyway, but when Slim Jim threatened to pull out of the Royal Rumble as a title sponsor, that's when dominoes started to fall. It's always money. It's never morality. So unless I think Netflix had a lot to do with it as well. Maybe, uh, maybe, but unless they put their foot down and just say everybody that is, you know, executive number one or whoever the hell else is in that got, I read all 67 Oh yeah, pages of that thing after the show last week, and uh, it was. We talked about it privately, and I understood where you were coming from. And it's just it it's things that we just never knew Vince would actually do, and it's hard to compartmentalize knowing that the thing that we enjoy uh, has complicity in the pain and suffering of people that had nothing to do with the product, but it's all tied together. And it's just, it's gross. You feel gross for being a part of it. You feel gross for participating in it. You feel gross for putting money in their pocket. Yeah. And and if you want to hear a good discussion of this, by the way, check out uh, Power Bombshells last week. Uh, Mel and Sam on the show, uh, more immediate reaction, a little more visceral reaction, I would say. Right, We've had a week to kind of think this over, but uh, Sam and Mel have some pretty good thoughts on that, too, from Power Bombshells. If you want to really deep dive into it, like I said, not really New Japan. It's only New Japan adjacent, so we're not going to spend a whole ton of time on it here. The best, the best way I'm going to cap it is we are allies. We can be allies and we will remain allies, but the voices that need to speak out on this are not two white guys covering a new Japan podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this topic. So yeah. we're just going to be like, we understand what happened. We take it very, very seriously. It's upsetting. Uh, but how we deal with it, it's probably going to be something that we have to contend with personally, just like everyone else is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well put. And, and it's just not, uh, it, it was a very unpleasant week to go through all of that stuff. And, and uh, you know, geez, I just hope, 
that uh, the bad guys are are dealt with uh, appropriately on that. And uh, you know, you always hope that it never, huh, nothing ever seems to happen to guys like him. So, but you know, maybe this will be a different situation. Meanwhile, back in New Japan, like I said, we don't know anything about Okada's situation any more than he's been talking to both sides as he should. And uh, a decision or no announcements been made. As far as we know, no decisions been made. So we're just waiting to hear like everybody else. We're in the mix. It seems like he might make his decision anytime now, but we don't have a decision as we're recording. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be doing a breaking news tomorrow either. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like it'll, it does seem like it'll be a little while. And so far he is set to still have his uh, remaining matches in New Japan. Nothing's changed on that front. So do you have any guesses as to what those last two matches might be? You know, I still feel like the last one, the final one, I don't on the second to last one. Mm-hmm. Final one, I'm still feeling like it is a chaos multi-man match where it's a Nokata themed thing where they, you know, like similar to what they did with Shinsuke Nakamura when he left his yeah. final show at Korokan Hall. It was, you know, everybody wearing Nakamura t-shirts and all the hugs from his faction mates in the ring because I don't think they're going to do some kind of angle where they turn on him or that's not the chaos way. That's the bullet no, way. No. And so I have a feeling this will be the, uh, the friendly tearful farewell from, various members of Hantai and chaos. That's how I kind of read that one, that the final ones and uh, Sapporo will be, uh, that's my prediction, a big multi 10 man or something like that with his allies through the years on his side, they'll probably get a, you know, just do a multi-man match you know, and send Okada out with uh, a speech and hugs at the end. That's my guess. What do you think? I think something very similar to that. I'm going to throw a wild harebrained theme uh, theory at you. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the pay-per-view for the WWE Elimination Chamber is in Perth. And it is, I believe, around that same time. Right? Okay. What are the possibilities that Nakamura doesn't go to Perth, but comes over to New Japan during mm-hmm. that trip <laughs> and is a surprise uh a surprise for the final match for the the chaos enough. The only way that happens is if Okada is signing with WWE, <laughs> or it's a it's an olive branch to get him to sign. Yeah, something like that. It would be like, part of the. It would be part of the. You think about this for just a second. You just think about it for just a second. You're like, oh shit! Like there's something to that because this is a this is a company WWE that strategically incorporated the TNA women champion into their Royal Rumble and she looked great. She there was there was a deal made and I am not ruling out like Nakamura being part of a you know some kind of match that is completely inconsequential to the New Japan like competition but part of the sure. lore would just be one of those moments that is both important to New Japan important to Nakamura to Okada, and it just it's everything. And I'm just yeah, kind like, of wondering if it's possible, if you think it could happen. I mean, yeah, maybe, like I said, if, if it was part of the thing where they're trying to woo him or they've made the deal with him, then yes, possible. Uh, I, I suppose it's possible. I'm not kind of looking for it, but yeah. uh, I think that's something that could uh, happen. I don't expect it, but it'd be, an, it'd be a very pleasant surprise. Uh, Dunstan Williams is here, and he has uh, he has this line. This is true. They should seriously, uh, they seriously should have used the money they're paying for Riddle to re-resign talent. Yep. 
Agreed there. Uh, I don't, I, again, what? I don't what see if? the point. I don't see, I don't see the attraction to Riddle in this situation. And I, and I actually don't see it ending all that well. So I'm, uh, I'm with Dunstan on this one. And he's got what another idea for Okada. I'm going to get to cheap. in a moment. He's probably coming in pretty cheap. Yeah. Well, pretty you know, cheap. but still. He, he is uh, rebuilding a brand, if you would say. Chaos yeah. Gauntlet is his idea. Now, this kind of goes back to something that stardom does when someone leaves uh, the company or retires, really. They do it. And Okada's obviously not retiring. But uh, something they did for uh, Himika when she retired is she had a one-minute match with just about everybody in the entire company, one after the other. And that was her send-off right there. She was in the ring for about an hour. Uh, but if they did something like a chaos gauntlet where he had short matches against all of his stable mates right there, that would be an interesting thing. Uh, I don't yeah, think maybe uh, like the Suzuki I, Goon kind of uh, yeah, like a little bit, you know, like a little bit yeah. of a vibe there for that. That's not a that's not a bad idea at all, actually. Just do a little chaos gauntlet for Okada so that he does I a few minutes. Everybody in chaos is going to be involved in that last match, you know, everyone yeah. that's healthy. You know, who knows yeah, right. if Hiroki Goto is able to show up for that match, but it, I'm sure if he if he can put on a pair of wrestling boots and, and take a bump or two. He's going to be there for it kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll have to keep our uh, eyes and ears open. I, the, something tells me that we're not really going to hear what that is until maybe after the Osaka match. Yeah. yeah. Tanahashi. That's kind of where it's going with that, where maybe after that match, which will be this friendly contest and things where maybe they get on the microphone and just says, how about on the way out, you, me, Ishii, you know, like something like that. Uh, Timo for the last time, something in that range. So I have a feeling that they might use that Tanahashi match and the aftermath of that Tanahashi match to set up Sapporo. There's kind of absolutely no reason for them to tell us anything until that Tanahashi match happens. You know, right. it's like the whole the whole focus of New Japan right now is on the 11. Like, holy mm -hmm. moly, that card is starting to turn into something kind of special. And mm -hmm. then we're going into Fantastic Mania, so. Um, yeah, I guess maybe let's talk about the buildup to the 11. Let's look at that. And we have had a few shows this week. Well, half shows. I'll explain what I'll explain. We mentioned it last week. There is a huge speedboat race going on in Hiroshima. It's called Mia, it's boat race <laughs> Miyajima as part of the festivities. And this is more than just the, the race itself. There's a whole festival around it. New Japan ran two small shows with some uh, multi-person tags on them, uh, just in a convention hall in this area as part of the festivities. So these aren't really New Japan shows where people bought tickets to see New Japan wrestling. But uh, on the 27th, here's some of the people they brought in. So uh, it was uh, United Empire, uh, Catch 2-2, so Francesco Akira, TJP, and Callum Newman uh, teaming with them. They defeated Tiger Mask, Togi Makabe, and Yo. Uh, and we had Bushi and Naito uh, defeat uh, Shota Umino and uh, Bolton, Oleg. Uh, so uh, Tanahashi, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Toriyano defeated the House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil, and Show. So what we had there was, uh, you know, Tanahashi, LIJ, and uh, that type of thing. So mostly baby faces going over. Nobody was really a heel there. And then on the uh, 28th, you had Umino, Tiger Mask, and yo, they beat uh, Newman, Akira, and TJP. That's the babyface, babyface match. So they just kind of went back and forth there. Bushi and Naito got a win over Taguchi and Makabe. Babyface, babyface there. And then in the only the only real heels on the show, Tanahashi, Bolton Oleg, and Toru Yano defeated the House of Torture, Togo, Evil, and Show. So that was Boat Race Miyajima. You'd imagine that it's just kind of a uh, more of an exhibition than a a big show there, but uh, part of a cultural event in Hiroshima. And of course, 
Naito part of it, not only the world heavyweight champion, but he is, he has adopted Hiroshima as his second hometown. He uh, regularly throws out the first pitch for the Hiroshima carp. They wear LIJ gear sometimes. He wears carp gear sometimes. In fact, I found out that uh, the uh, carp, Jeremy, will even play uh, Naito's music during key moments. That's yeah, kind of a, a yeah, rallying that documentary, song. They were talking about that. Yeah. yeah so that was pretty cool. Documentary. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So anyway, of course, they brought him in for that. But uh, always good to see New Japan being part of uh, a cultural event. Uh, it's considered part of the fabric of uh, Hiroshima. Is it kind of like the level of tribute to the troops for like WWE or something like that, where it's like, it's there, all the wrestlers are there, but it's not like, it's not a big, it, it's there for the community and it's there for the outreach and it's there mm-hmm. for the promotion. Yeah, that's cool. I'm sure. Yeah, a lot of meet and greet type of stuff yeah. going on right there. Uh, Colin says, why not have Okada lose to one of the younger talents like Suji or Omino in his last match? He really should put the younger talent over. Uh, yeah, Okada is not really thought of in that same way. He's kind of a, uh, often above all that. I don't expect that to happen. And, uh, you know, the whole, you know, losing on the way out has faded in a little bit. Now, Nakamura didn't really remember any of Nakamura uh, beat AJ Styles. Of course, AJ was leaving too. At Wrestle Kingdom, and then just had the multi-man match. So it's 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 not always something New Japan does with the very top guys. I would I would if you think that there's a chance that you can run this match back in five years with mm. some of these guys, uh, I would save it. I would save it and have a couple of them beat Okada, have a couple of them not, and just kind of go that route. There's there's a fifty fifty shot that Okada might be available to wrestle some of these guys over the next few mm. years. Um, we don't need to go wild on the Okada needs to put these guys over now. Um, it needs to be organic. It needs to fit the scope of what New Japan is trying to accomplish with the wrestlers and the stories and the promotion and Mm -hmm. trying to just make it happen and, um, and try and fit it into a moment later on, just shoehorning it. I I don't know. That's not what that, it feels short-sighted. And it doesn't feel very New Japan-y uh, in that sense. Yeah. They, they've spent all these years, basically his entire run in New Japan, Okada's been heavily, heavily protected. I, I'm not disagreeing with your point that it would definitely boost one of those guys. I, I don't see the current landscape New Japan them uh, doing that, but we'll see what those last two matches are. I mean, if, if they put him in a match with uh, one of those guys, uh, it does it does make you wonder at least. Chances are, if you're sticking around, it's probably going to face an off against one of those guys and Sapporo after the New Japan Cup. You know, just like there's just there would have been plans, but now that he's off the board, you have to consider him off the board. Yeah, and and the putting over people on the way out is is a fair point. I'm not not even yeah. arguing with it so much. It's it was more of a territory days thing where guys, you know, were were the fans didn't always know when you put the young guy over on the way out that the older guy was leaving, there wasn't all this, you know, you couldn't just look all that up on the internet back then. And, and what I mean by that is right now, Dunstan mentions it. Even if the young talent beat him now, it wouldn't feel like a payoff. Yeah. If he, if they had a match between Yoda Suji and Okada and Suji pins Okada and Sapporo, I think everybody in wrestling would know it's well, it's just because Okada's leaving. You know, it, it's not really because, Suji suddenly, the, the, the story wouldn't be suddenly he's on that level. It's just that well, Okada's leaving, so he, you know, you know what I mean. It, it, it yeah. does. It wouldn't have the same oomph as if uh, 
you know, it was part of the regular storyline, I guess, in, so, in that sense. So they did a thing uh, on New Japan World, and it's just kind of a, a divergent, but it, it all makes sense. And it was the United Empire history from 2020 to 2024. And Okada is a huge, huge, like, villain to the United Empire story. <laughs> he may be the protagonist yeah. in New Japan, but he's the villain for United Empire. And he was used several times over to have matches with Jeff Cobb, with Will Ospreay. He did the job a lot against those guys. You know, he did the job against Jonah back when he was there after the G1. There were, or during the G1. So there are times where it was appropriate for him to lose. But now that he is leaving, the value of him losing is no longer as high because yeah. it feels like lip service rather than part of the plan. Right. Yeah, and, and that's why the whole idea of putting people over on the way out, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's antiquated, but uh, it, it was more of a territory uh, thing. And when there were all these guys, and you didn't have the fans knowing that the guy was leaving. So it, it would feel like, oh, this is the next big star. This guy just beat this guy that's that's been dominating things for a while here. Whereas now it's like, well, it's the farewell thing and 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 all. It, it does have a different vibe to it. It doesn't feel as much like the passing of a torch as, well, we just have to turn the channel and he's still there. You it know, needed that, to happen between Jay White and David Finley. But that's mm -hmm. not the way it needs to happen with every single uh, transactional interaction between uh, wrestlers in New Japan. Like it just... There was a need for it to happen a certain way with Jay White, but there's not a need for it to happen that way for Yoda Suji, for Yuya, for Shota, or even Ren. You know, like they all have their stories, and Okada is not in the equation. So New Japan continues on. Uh, the tour resumed today. Uh, there are house shows leading up to these uh, Corican Hall shows. They're just yeah. not going to be on New Japan World, and they were in Nagano earlier today so we had uh, a card there again uh, mostly preview tags almost all preview tags a couple of things that were of note i noticed that uh bolton oleg and shoma kato uh defeated uh katsuya murashima and togi makabe so once again the quote-unquote young lion team beating a team that has a, a a regular roster member on it in makabe certainly murashima was the one that did the job i would imagine to bolton but uh, again, it just shows you how differently they're treating Bolton Oleg in this one. He's two uh, young lions, although Oleg's, I, think, I feel like Oleg's getting close to breaking out of that, uh, getting a win over Murashima and Makabe in the opener. We also had. Watching Tori uh, last week, just be like, ah, no, no, I don't want any part of this guy. It's, it's gratifying. They, they are treating him differently. Toru Yano and Yoshihashi teamed up with El Desperado. So we had a little Hantai Chaos uh, hybrid there. They beat Sho, Kanemaru, and Yujiro Takahashi. Moving up there, we had the other House of Torture group, which was Togo, Evil, and Ren Narita. They got a win over Umino, Tomowaki Honma, and Yo. And I don't think I have to give you too many guesses over which one of those guys did the job there. Uh, poor Honma. Uh, we had a preview of the tag team title match that's coming up. So Gorillas of Destiny, that's Phantasmo, Hikaleo, and Jado. They fell to Chase Owens, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori. So that was probably a, a Jado uh, job there as they try to keep Owens and Kenta warm for uh, the G.O.D. match. And then we had uh, TMDK, uh, Fujita, Nichols, Haste, and Saber, all four of them. They beat Tanahashi, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Ishii. 
Uh, we also saw the War Dogs. Uh, Drill Maloney's not there, so it was an eight-man tag with uh, Finlay, Kid, Connors, and Coughlin. Uh, they defeated the United Empire, Newman, Akira, TJP, and Hanare. And then uh, we had the 900th meeting between LIJ and just five guys. <laughs> and this one was won by LIJ. So there you go. That was the show today in Nagano. Uh, I, I believe they're in Saitama tomorrow. Uh, probably. Uh, and we can't think... watch any of these shows, right? Yeah. Like they're all, yeah. they're not on New Japan World. These are all strictly for posterity reporting these, reporting these. And here's a question that Dunstan has that I wanted to I want to take an offshoot of this question. He says, do you think it's time they let Bolton go on excursion? I'm going to twist that question. Does Bolton go on an excursion, Jeremy? I don't think so. I don't either. It doesn't feel like it, does it? Oh. Well, I yeah. I I've I've been on this I've been on this one for a yeah. long time. And it is going right into Bullet Club. Bullet Club's not sending their guys to excursion. They're throwing them in the deep end, and they're they're getting brutal with Connors and Kid and and Maloney. I just like the Bullet and Bullet Club. It's right there. I I just don't see him going anywhere. I see him just, you know, they are going to treat him differently. It's just that's it. They're going to treat him differently. Let's suppose what yeah. we talked about last week that maybe some new factions come out of this with Okada leaving, mm-hmm. and maybe. Chaos and Hantai, you know, there maybe there's a shuffling. Remember how we talked about it? there might be a shuffling of the deck right there because it doesn't really feel like there's a leader of chaos at this point. We suggested things like Shoto Amino or Shingo Takagi breaking off and, and starting their own deal with mm-hmm. whatever pieces are left of chaos and all that. And again, we no inside information. This is just supposing. We're gonna, but you know, on our bullshit. <laughs> if you didn't do the Bullet Club thing with Oleg, boy, he would be like the first round draft pick of either Takagi or Umino if they did that, right? Wouldn't wouldn't that be something where if someone goes to Bishamon and says, your leader's gone, chaos isn't anymore, why don't you guys roll with me and, hey, let's take the big guy with us and see if he's interested. Now you've got kind of a faction going. You know, that, that it's, it's, it's something that they could do with him. I'm saying if they reshuffle the deck, if they use this excuse with Okada leaving to reshuffle that deck, he could be a key player in that. If you just decide to promote him up to the main roster and say, no longer a young lion, he's with this group, similar to what they did with TMDK and Fujita, because really, Fujita never really went on excursion. He just he made a couple of shots in Australia, but the vast majority of his matches excursion is with TMDK. They're just shadowing those guys. Yeah, but he never really left Japan. He went over to Australia for a little bit. But Robbie Eagles has been in Australia more than Fujita has, and yeah. I mean, which makes sense where Robbie's from. But I'm just saying, wasn't much of an excursion. More of wrong. his matches have been in Japan than than uh, over anywhere else. You are you are not wrong. Now. Thank you. <laughs> if uh, no, I'm just I don't have I anything know, I... to add to that, but I'm going to say you're not wrong, and then I was going to try and pivot back to say now if he does end up going to excursion, where would you send him? Oh goodness! I mean, that's just the thing. We know that Loibe and uh, Nakashima went over to the UK, mm-hmm. so they had to. Re- so you wouldn't think that they would send a third guy over there. He doesn't really fit Mexico. Not at all. Yeah, he doesn't really fit. The Oceana thing, I don't see him going over there and working with Fale's guys, what's left of them. By the way, Jack, Jack Bonza ain't coming back for a little while. I don't know if you saw the thing. He got drunk and smashed into a cop car and then took off. So he's got a bit of a, he's got some legal issues to deal with. There's, over a, there's a maturity thing that they're going to have to work with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I wouldn't worry about Bonza for a minute. But uh, 
he doesn't really feel like an Oceana guy either. That's why I'm just like, would you? Would I, you? I can't figure out TNA? where he would go, so I don't think he's going. You think maybe they send him TNA? That might. I mean, it's the only choice of yeah. what they. I don't think he goes to Ring of Honor, so. And they don't really do that the same way anymore anyway, now that Ring of Honor's with AEW. So that would be the only thing I could really think of is if he goes over to TNA, which might not be a terrible idea. TNA is a lot better than it used to be. They're on a bit of a hot streak at the moment. It's where I'm guessing Tamatanga ultimately ends up, either that or MLW. But it's also like, a, but it's also like you're not going to have him do anything more than what Yuya Uemura did, which is just look good in matches. He's not going to win any singles titles over there. It's not like they're going to, they're going to put anything other than just make sure he's getting his reps. So is that good for him to have the exposure over here? It's just this big beefy guy that people are like, Oh, this is the guy I heard of. Oh, he's, he's just doing these, lower level matches in TNA right now. And they're not going to shoot the, put the rocket on him there because that's yeah. not how it works. So yeah, I agree with you. It's like the more I talk it through with you, I'm <laughs> just leaning toward to keep him, just keep him in house. And they have treated him differently from the very beginning. He's done very few jobs. He's done some, but he's done very few jobs overall. Uh, he's beaten the other young lions anytime they've gotten the opportunity. He's beaten. He hasn't he hasn't pinned a main roster guy yet that I can think of? Uh, the way Fujita pinned. No, uh, was, who was it? It was was it Fujita the pin uh, Ghetto or something like that? But I um, think so. Yeah. yeah, but I'm almost I'm getting he, real he close to calling Bolton Boltista. <laughs> but uh you know it's one of these things that they've treated him differently they haven't beaten him like they have uh they've had him going over in places where young lions don't usually go over i feel like that different treatment they they see something very special in him mm-hmm. and i think that's going to continue over when it comes to his excursion so my my guess is dustin i don't think he's going on one i i, I agree with jeremy i think they just keep him in town yep that's, that's kind of where i'm at on that one all right. Good talk. But, yeah. So should we uh, preview? And, and if you get, like I said, it's a more of a free form thing. If any yeah, of uh, folks that are, today, guys. that are watching live, <laughs> if you have a, a question like that, uh, feel free to kick it in. We are going to preview the two shows at Cork and Hall. However, that's our next order of business. But I uh, just want to remind everybody, uh, power bombshells, or, you know, we're all, all of us here, uh, hit the like and subscribe buttons on this. If you're listening on a podcast if you could rate us, uh, leave us a review, all that stuff helps people find the show. Power Bombshells is on at 1 p.m. Eastern on uh, Sunday, and uh, that's that's always a terrific show. We've got the boom. Uh, Jeremy, tell them about what else you can find with Fight Game Media. We'll do the housekeeping, then we'll get into Corkin. Yeah, first off, thank you for uh, beginning the plug of pouring ourselves out to the audience and letting us know that you can hear <laughs> us on both audio and video. We have uh, links through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just Google Speaking for Strong Style on anywhere, and you'll be able to find links for us here, there, anywhere. We're on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. You can see if you want to advocate for more Fight Game Media content, hit that like and subscribe. Just like Stephen Conway said, we have the Dynamite Show. We have the Boom. We have In the Clinch. We have the Rap. We have the Double G Show. We have Observe This. We have number of content shows. Uh, the Five Star Joshi Show comes out every day. The every day of the week except Sunday, we are doing live recaps of WWE PLEs and AEW pay per views. And when we deem it necessary on the shows, 
We will do our own live show for the New Japan show, including the day after the Super Bowl. We're probably going to talk about February 11th because as we will pull up the graphics, holy moly, it looks like a big show. So keep an eye out for that Monday blast of New Japan content from us here. And uh, yeah, I think I've covered most of the basics there. Stephen Conway, I'm going to hand it right back over to you. Okay. And uh, Dunstan's still advocating for him going on an excursion. He thinks he and Fujita could still use an excursion to find their characters and styles. Uh, okay. Uh, with that in mind, Dunstan, honest question. We've kicked around some of the ideas, uh, some of the places he could go. Where do you feel uh, that Bolton would have his uh, best development? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what you think on that one. I, he really doesn't feel like a luchador at all. So CMLL, I don't think works. Uh, might work for Fujita if they wanted to send him that way. If they wanted to send him back to Oceana, that would be fine. They don't do a ton of shows. You know, that that uh, Tamashi is MLW. not a regular circuit. For Oleg or for yeah. Fujita? Yeah. What about well, I mean, MLW? Yeah, Dunstan, where do you think? What what do you what, what do you or anybody back there? Like if you're if let's say Oleg is going to go on excursion, where do you think would be the best fit for him? And uh, let's do the same thing for Fujita too. Let's let's do some supposing. We already know that Loibe and uh, Nakashima are uh, headed for England. So uh, they're Rev in Rep Pro, Pro, right? Yeah, they're gonna be in Rep Pro. That would be a good spot for them. There's a lot of good workers over there that they can learn from. That's a good spot for those two, I think. Uh Dark Horse Canada, I'm gonna go with MLW for Bolton Oleg. Nobody watches that show. <laughs> have they have they sent people on excursion to MLW? No, but Jacob Fatu was the arrangement for Battle in the Valley, and he was from MLW. So uh, mm -hmm. things are underway since Court Bauer has gotten some money from the WWE. Dunstan mentioned that Osaka show sold out. Yeah, they, they were down to bits and pieces last week. They were they were really down to just the bare nubbins as far as tickets go. And it looks like a new beginning for New Japan. Oh, look at you. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the past of that uh, new beginning things in the uh, later on the show. So the next time we get to tune in on NJPW World, we'll be back at the Hallowed Halls of Corican Hall. And that'll be uh, Sunday, February 4th. And let's take a look at that card. So uh, the theme of the, the first one there, the Sunday show, we have Sunday and Monday, because I believe it's a bank holiday in Japan. So most people are off Monday. They're running it. Uh, it is United Empire against the War Dogs is pretty much the theme of uh, that show. So the main event being the uh, junior tag team title match between Catch 2-2 and the War Dogs being Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors. It's an interesting matchup here, Jeremy, just because I honestly feel like this one could go either way. They've had Connors and Maloney as part of the picture before. Uh, catch 2-2, two, two. there's talk of TJP in interviews going up to heavyweight, so is Catch 2-2 two, two really going to be a thing going forward? It, to me, this one's actually a coin flip. You could make a case either way. Both of these teams are very good. I expect this match, match to be excellent. So I feel like we're winners either way, and the junior titles are the ones that can bounce around a lot. You know, the, the, there's a lot of title changes and, and a one-and-done uh title reign is not unheard of at all so uh flip a coin on this one which way are you leaning i'm gonna lean towards catch two two but i think i think it could go either way and no matter what happens the war dogs and bullet club by the end of next week are going to be positioned as very very powerful in, in new japan hmm. okay is that where you're heading, leaning on this one I'm going to lean towards Catch 2-2. I just, like, even if Catch 2-2 wins, I don't expect the War Dogs to take it lying down. 
It's just mm. kind of one of those. Like everybody's gonna everybody's gonna be look brutal by the end of this match. Okay. All right, fair enough. And uh Dunson says he feels like storylines, it would make sense. Storyline wise, it would make sense to have the war dogs win, but only if they re-sign new contracts. I thought that, about that. It's the underlying thing to everything now, isn't it? It's the underlying factor for all of it. But uh yeah. But just knowing that we have this match following up and then mm. the one after that, it could be that some of those some of those friends of the United Empire are left lying. And mm-hmm. even if they win, they lose kind of thing. So we'll have uh we will have Callum Newman against David Finlay. I think Newman's buzzer meeting that one. Uh Jeff Cobb against Alex Coughlin. Feel like Cobb's going to win that one, which leaves us down. It leaves the uh, series down to uh, Hanare against Gabe Kidd, which has the potential to be the uh, show stealer, really, with the way these guys like to hit one another. I think that it, all of the preview stuff with the War Dogs and United Empire has been really good. But these guys have real chemistry, and I'm not talking about just Hanare and and Gabe. I mean, just the whole the units just seem to work really well together. I think it's going to be a pretty good night of wrestling. I'm going to call this the strong style match of the evening. <laughs> yeah, it, this could be really good. And this yeah. low key could be really exciting. A lot of people love to talk up Gabe Kidd after these matches. And Aaron Hanare, or Hanare, can. Uh, I watched the United Empire thing, and there was Aaron Hanare references through half of it. And so I I have to retrain myself to just call him Hanare. Yeah, he has made to... quite a transformation over four years. Yeah, he was Toa Hanare for a long time, too. Yeah. So. Uh, the full card, by the way, we mentioned those are the key matches right there. And uh, before that, though, we have the uh, 901st meeting between LIJ mm. and uh, just five guys. They also have uh, a Chaos Hantai group that's Yo, Taguchi, Ishii, and Tanahashi facing TMDK. We have Honma, Phantasmo, and Hikaleo against uh, Ishimori, Owens, and Kenta. So, again, that's just going to be the uh, Bullet Club team getting wins on the the champs until they meet in that title match. And then the first match is an all-skate here. We've got another 10-man tag, and that's going to be House of Torture against Yoshihashi, Makabe, Desperado, Umino, and Bolton Ole. So, uh, yeah, of that group there, uh, it feels like they're either going to... feels like they're going to beat Makabe before they beat Bolton Oleg in that one. That That's going to tell a tale, isn't it? Because yes, it is. it, if you have four main roster guys and Bolton Oleg, and one of the main roster guys takes the fall in that one, because uh, uh, that'll tell us all we need to know. Or if that team wins, you know, again. It will confirm what we already knew, not tell yeah. us what we need to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it'll, it'll yeah, it, it'll be a good indication there Absolutely. where they're headed with him. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we got some more comments to jump onto before we hit the next night. Okay, let me get back to that here. I'm just kind of clicking around, zooming around. All right, there we go. Sorry about that. Yeah, and uh, yo, Gabe versus Hanari will steal the show. And uh, okay, Dunstan also had his recommendations for uh, excursions cool. since we just talked about Bolton Oleg. He said that CMLL would be a fit for Fujita. Yeah, I think that that would be that would be a good place to send him. Uh, he would certainly be in with some band. CMLL is really good right now. <laughs> There's some really talented dudes in CMLL. Would be fun to see him in with them. And uh, just in learning lucha, yeah. Well, I mean, it's worked out for Desperado and Hiromu, who yeah. are only two of the best on planet Earth. And then Bolton could benefit from working in TNA. He feels maybe. I mean, I, I mean, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing Bolton Oleg against Moose someday once Oleg gets a few miles on him there. And he's a little green for that yet, you know, right now. But uh, down the road, wouldn't mind seeing that match. Full confession: 
the no, appearance of Hechicero and Volador and all of them doing their little uh, visit to AEW prior to <laughs> Fantastic Mania was what made me think about Nakamura potentially showing up in New Japan on the 23rd or 24th. Just, you know, a little side trip before your bigger trip later on. Yeah. You know, yeah, just kind of oh, do a little stop off on the way. It seems like it's easier and easier in wrestling to make that happen. I like that. I, I, w- I would love to have a world where things like that could happen again. And and it wasn't uh, really Vince McMahon's WWF in the eighties was, was the one that put up isolating walls. Really, I mean, people did move around. Uh, as far as guest shots in Japan, you know, New Japan and All Japan, there was a little too much uh, antipathy between Baba and Anoki to do that too often. If you if you went to one, you you left. You know, it wasn't if New Japan didn't loan guys to all Japan and vice versa. That was right. a, that was a battle. So uh, a new era, definitely. And of course, New Japan's very open to working with other promotions. So uh, you know that that whole isolation uh, ism, I, I think would I would love it if it became a thing of the past and people yeah. started working together more. So that's why I thought about it. I was like, huh, CMLL thing. Just you know, they're stopping off right off before their bigger week long tour, and 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 I'm like, it. I'm still Why not. Pre- that I'm still not prepared for Triple H to do anything out of the goodness of his own heart. And no. what I mean by that is he's working for a major conglomerate and corporation here. He's got to serve those masters. Uh, so he is not the all-powerful boss that that Vince was. So I think it would have to be something like, okay, this is going to help us get Okada in order to make something like that. Happen. Yeah, there, there's this sense that you know AEW is going to pay him more money. But WWE is going to have the press presage and the prestige and the whole deal. If you flex that WWE muscle before he even leaves and makes the goodbye even better, that's the kind of you know gesture that they're trying to show him. Like we are WWE, we can make these things happen. It is not the company that it used to be a year ago. And I'm not necessarily sure we need to consider it the same company that it was a year ago. Like, I'm really taking the Jordan Grace TNA champion appearance very, very seriously. Because yeah, but I mean, I take it seriously in that they wanted to get they want to get Jordan Grace. <laughs> no, she's, she's under contract with TNA. Like, it was simply well, sure. like it was simply a an arrangement between the two. But she looked better than half the roster. Yes, like, she did. But. It, it, but how- how long is she under contract to TNA? I think it's another year. Well, that's not. Too I mean, long, they they it? belted her and they put the they put the title on her when all the other people did sign. I I think they brought her in because they want to bring her in. I, like I did. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's. I mean that if you get Naomi back, which they did, she's of the course. first round draft pick after that, right? Uh, of course, yes. I'm so, just. I I think the arrangement with her was actually a little bit different, and that's why it's like, hmm. But it also fits into the Okada argument, you know, like the the courtship of these talents that are good, that are not working for WWE and Triple H is thinking outside or Paul Levesque, whatever you want to call it, is thinking outside the box. And we have to be prepared for the idea that he is going to do outside the box things to get people that wouldn't normally consider WWE. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, I when I looked at the Jordan Grace thing, I thought, oh, okay, they're going to sign Jordan when she's in contract. Though. But uh, Colin says, did I hear what folks were saying about Julia and AEW, that the reason they won't sign her is because when she faced Willow Nightingale, she worked stiff and didn't check on her afterwards. 
I'm skeptical of that one, Colin. Uh, the the whole thing with Julia, I think WWE probably offered her a little bit more money. He also says also Emmy and Cheetah don't like her because of the whole ice ribbon thing. Uh, there was a bit of a, a well, there was there were bad feelings the way she left Ice Ribbon and uh, went to stardom, and so there there might be a little bit of that. But I think if Tony wanted her, he'd have just gotten her. It, it's just a matter of because she works. I mean, have you, I know you know this, Colin, but and the folks at home, Julia works stiff. That's one of the reasons she's one of the biggest stars out there. That and. I, I don't know uh, that that would be so much of a factor there. Uh, so I, I don't I don't really think that they just said, oh, she hits too hard. Therefore, we're not going to bring her in. I, I I'm skeptical of that one. Uh, you know, this yeah. is a company. This is a company that lets uh, that lets their roster dive into barbed wire and thumbtacks, male, female, or anything else. I, I don't see somebody hitting somebody hard to be a real problem in aew not i'm not saying they're reckless the referees are but the, the, i'm not saying they're reckless but it's just a matter of uh i i doubt it that that was the reason i i just think wwe probably gave her a better deal yeah i don't know i don't know if we see julia and wwe anytime soon but i do think no. we'll probably see her by the end of the year uh i think i think i think people are looking for reasons to explain why julia is not going to aew because they see her as someone that AEW could use because of the lack of talent currently being utilized properly in the division. With that being said, I think there's a narrative that people want to, to make it fit why she's not going there, whether that's actually the truth. I think she's going to be done with her uh, contracted dates within the next 60 days. We're not going to know for a while what's going to go on with her. But after that, I think she's probably had, you know, exactly where the, we think she's going. The other thing about that, it, the AEW women's division, we're going by actions and not words here. Okay. I don't think AEW cares so much about women being great wrestlers. They want personalities. And here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> Tony Storm is an elite level worker. She is great and can have fantastic matches. Tony Storm didn't get the full blown push until she came up with this over the top wacky character, timeless Tony Storm. It's hitting on all the cylinders. People are getting a kick out of it, but it's it, well, but it's working. You sure. can't say it's not working and it's certainly being pushed now. The other, not the only other, and Jamie Hayter's really good also. Mariah May is excellent. But the other woman who is absolutely elite level is Athena, who does not have an over-the-top wacky character. And you have to get that Ring of Honor club that nobody has in order to watch her because mm -hmm. she doesn't appear on AEW hardly at all, even though she's been one of the best female workers out there. So what do Tony's actions tell us that she wants? Well, they had Sheeta, who's pretty good, not elite level. They've had other people who are pretty good workers. And it was Britt Baker, who's not that good of a worker, but she had a character and she could talk. And she had the, her little wacky skits with uh, Rebel and calling Ariba and Tony the Shivani thing. 
I think that's what Tony wants from the women's division. I don't think he's looking for great matches because he has women capable of doing it, but he pushes the ones that do the wacky stuff, including one who is elite level, who he wasn't pushing until she did the wacky stuff. His actions are speaking louder than his words on that for me. Yeah, if Jason ratings, uh, 100%, well, yeah. I, I would argue that Mariah May hasn't actually looked as good as her potential would deem up to this point. She's well, got a lot of matches where her opponents have looked better than her, and I hope oh, that that trend changes. I, I don't, don't know. I just we're, we're talking about the women's division over in AEW and, and all these things. So, you know, you've got, you've got Timeless Tony Storm. It is 100% a character. You have Athena, who is trying to get a match with Julia before we <laughs> get going. I it appears it. confirmed that Mercedes Monet is, in fact, going to AEW. So mm -hmm. she is going to be in the uh, in the radar. And once she shows up, it's not going to be Mercedes Monet's women's division segment. It's going to be the Monet segment. And then there's going right. to be a women's division segment. <laughs> I think that's you know, very like, true. Yeah. Like the room will be shoehorned in for her. And yeah. if the one, if the title is in the picture at the time, great. I would honestly say throw the Julia versus Monet match on a dynamite if you can't get it done at Windy City, or throw Athena versus Julia, and then save Athena versus you know Mercedes Monet for down the line. You have these caliber matches to set up these big, big, big anticipated faceoffs, but as you as don't have enough to sustain it through even even one or two segments throughout uh, a show for five segments a week, it's not deep enough. Like the, the division is not deep enough and not sustainable. And the things that they are doing are lower mid-card men's skits, not upper mm -hmm. mid-card. These are, these are women who have wrestled big matches in the past and are now relegated to doing you know, romance backstage stuff uh, that has played out for four weeks. And, you know, the other thing about, I'm not sure Julia shows up in AEW at all on no. that too much. It's one of those things where she's leaving stardom in the next couple of months. Uh, maybe she's going to be a freelancer for a little while. Here's the sure. word on Julia that she's going to take some time where she is going to be freelance and work whatever dates she wants while she concentrates on learning English. She feels like that's going to be a big deal. So the word we have is that she is going to really focus on going hardcore, on learning the language. Uh, she speaks Italian and Japanese, but she really wants to get into uh, English there before she comes over. If she's not going to AEW, there's only one reason to learn English intensely. So that would be uh, where she's headed. So uh, with that in mind, if she is headed there, uh, I don't know if she even works for AEW at, at any point there. So, but I mean, you, you know, there's, I think she could still make shots for stardom as the year goes on, perhaps. But I mean, you know, I, she could. She's freelance. I'm not saying she can't, but it's, you know, I think I might lower the odds a bit. If you, if you had the opportunity to, would you make the first belt that Mercedes Monet had on AEW the IWGP title? and mm -hmm. then have her chasing the other one because they need to get that belt off of her, off of Julia. Right. Yeah. And she's not going to be on the windy city show. So I'm asking hypothetically, would you put that title on her and have her hold that title? And she was never going to be losing all these matches, like right. going into it. But do you, do you just shotgun a title onto her first night, do it in Boston, 
have her win a title and then she's constantly winning and then down the line it becomes like she's a two belt champ with the AEW title as well and then eventually she drops the idea of BGP when they have a plan for that. I mean, I just think you, I think you just put Mercedes to the moon and you know, the, the thing with her. And so you could put the belt on her, but she is going to be such a star. She doesn't really need the belt to even. That's be what I was wondering. Star. If it bring and her down, keep in mind in the United States, she's a bigger star than Okada is in the United States. Sure. And, and so if she comes in there, you can wait a while. You can, you can choose to put the belt on her immediately. Like, you know, you can just launch her like they did with Hulk Hogan. Here you go. Here's the new kingpin, queen pin in this case. Here's your new champion. There it is. You know, the, 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 she's carrying the entire division. That's possible. You could do that, but you don't have to do that because her match will be a bigger deal than the women's world title match. No matter what, it, it, you know, so you can do, you can keep a title match over here and use that to get this rivalry over and have the Manet match as a bigger deal, whoever it's with. So you don't have to merge those two things into one quite yet, although you certainly could. I mean, but, but you don't need to. You don't need to because coming in, I, I guarantee you in the United States, bigger star than Okada is. I mean, not to us, not to us. And I love Mercedes. I think she's fantastic. Uh, and Okada is, you know, I think one of the one of the best of all time. But as far as that crowd at AEW, when Mercedes comes out, that place is going to explode. Just if go you, nuts. If you all book two thousand of them. Garden in Boston <laughs> and say it's going to be Mercedes first night there, do they sell out? I don't know about sell out, but it'll sure do better than the two or three grand they're putting in seats now. Yeah. Hell of a lot better than that. It's like if you were going to go big and say we have a star and you do not sell out when you announce that star in their hometown, that is a risk. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's why I'm like, how big do you go? Do you hedge? Do you put a belt on her to say like, hey, we're serious about this, but it's not the belt and then begin that journey? Mm. Or like just what route do you go? Because mm. the women's division – and the opportunity of Julia to help elevate it, if briefly, is something that I would strongly consider because, like, even if she's, like, showing up, there is a kind of, you know, a Venn diagram in which it's not completely out of the question for her to show up on Ring of Honor or to do Greensboro at Revolution or to do a random match in Boston for the t on TV, you know, in the middle of March. All of these things are completely possible. And none of these people, by the way, are the IWGP women's champion. That's Mayu Iwatani. <laughs> so Julia oh, I has have the, the wrong title. title. Oh. No, no, you're okay. You know, she oh. has the NJPW strong title. That's right, Julia's right, right. title. But Iwatani, so here's what I'm hoping, fingers crossed, which is probably not going to happen, is that they just have Iwatani and Julia faced off and she either becomes a double champion or they just merge those two belts, which don't need to both exist. Oh, no, it'll so. just be another trend of somebody carrying around multiple belts because that's the latest hot thing. <laughs> yeah, that is the latest hot thing. Yeah, you're right about that. All right. So we, we go into the, the fifth. We haven't even talked about the Monday show no, yet. Oh, no. We, uh, we took a brief pause in the action. <laughs> you know, to cover the women's division, that's fine. So on uh, NJPW World, Monday, February 5th, Cork and Hall, we have Faction Warfare Gauntlet. 902. Yes. <laughs> number 902. Just five guys against LIJ. So that's a gauntlet match there. And uh, that's really the uh, the main uh, point of that show. That's okay. The, the... We have to explain this match, though. This match is weird. Go ahead. Have you have, have you seen this? The matchup begins as a ten minute one fall single match. Mm -hmm. 
the winner of the one-on-one match will remain in the match. Right. Okay? And then the next person on the opposing team will enter. It's a gauntlet match between two teams, and mm-hmm. they're going to manufacture it so that they are going to end up with one-on-one at the very end. Do you think that they're starting with Taka and Bushi or starting with Sonata and Naito? Oh God, I I I don't know. I, I actually I don't think either one. I have a feeling we might it might start with uh, Uemura and Suji or something or Taichi and Shingo, some combination like that. I think they'll probably put. Uh, well, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know now. I I feel like they will. I I don't think they'll start with Taka and Bushi, but yeah, yeah maybe they will. I don't know. I yeah. I Do feel you like it'll be this over the. I feel, over the I feel like that's. I, I feel like that's too obvious. I think they'll probably put in somebody like. Like Taichi or someone in the someone in the middle. I don't think it'll start with Naito and Sonata because I think they're gonna they aren't gonna want those guys in the ring all that long, and they won't want those guys to lose. No. no. So well, that's gonna be that's gonna be tricky. There's no time limit. It doesn't look like so. There's no time limit. So there has to be a winner. Number one, yeah. but number two, I am one thousand percent predicting that Doki is gonna get another pin on Hiromu. Yeah, I think so too. And the other thing is, if there has to be a winner, I'm betting that Sonata beats Naito yes. in the very end, just because they're going to want to set up that title match. Everyone is kind of figuring that Naito is going to beat him and move on, right? That's I think so. And and I think they want to convince us that under he's more he's under more of a threat than that. So my guess is that we'll see Sonata get a pin, whether it's the end of the match or not. I think Naito will be eliminated by Sonata in there. Yeah. This is be a fun match. No. <laughs> it'll be a fun match. It won't be, it'll be completely inconsequential who pins who because it's just mm. setting up the singles matches in two weeks, kind of thing. So yeah. whoever has the singles matches with each other, I feel like is going to play directly into the storyline of who pins who. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. in these gauntlet things. It's and all it's all related. <laughs> we have another United Empire uh War Dogs match in there. That's a 10 man, yeah, 10 man. Ton of people on these cards. Good lord, uh, they're getting their money's worth out of all these contracts here, where you're not paying by appearance. They're you know, they're, they're getting everybody on these things. An eight man tag with uh, Hantai and Chaos against TMDK. Uh, there's a the ten man tag. She's another ten man tag with uh, Oleg against with uh, with Yo Honma Desperado and Omino against uh, House of Torture. We'll have uh, Evil Gorilla's- Show Ren Yujiro and Yoshinobu. And then we've got uh, Ishimori, Owens, and Kenta again against Fantasmo, Hikaleo, and Jado again. And then Murashima against Great Okan. Rest in peace, Katsuya. So there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, the lineup for There are uh, no Tuesday. stipulations Monday, for, that, Monday. for that match. It's just a, just a title defense for uh, Great Okan. Oh, I, that's not a – that's not a uh, – I don't oh. think that's a King of Pro Wrestling title match. Okay, so it says here, finally in possession for a single New Japan championship, Okan has vowed to fight and defend his title every night in every town across the country in future. Oh, before that plan might be enacted. He will grant uh-huh. an opportunity to young Murashima, who will be looking to gain valuable experience. Read the full thing. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are we, are are we off to the 11th now? Well, we'll take a look at the 11th now. We'll move on to Osaka. So this is the big show here. Sold out, as it's been mentioned here. Uh, you know, Dunstan filled us in on that. We knew that they were down to like uh, bits and bobs as far as tickets go. But, uh, of course, Okada Tanahashi. There you go. That's all you need to know. 
from Eddie on Arena right there. Also on that one, the IWGP Tag Team Titles. That's the second match in this series with Chase Owens and Kenta challenging Higaleo and El Fantasmo, the double tag champs. We will also see the Shut Up and Take My Money match, which is Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson. Uh, Brian Danielson, of course, just beat Yuji Nagata in a really good match on Collision uh, as part of his uh, get back at Zach for uh, wrestling Tiger Mask, I guess. That's kind of a thin story, but that's kind of what they did there. They had Danielson wrestle Nagata to prepare for Zach. And uh, Steel Cage match, United Empire against War Dogs in Will Ospreay's farewell to New Japan. And in the prelims, uh, just five guys against LIJ for the 903rd time. House of Torture uh, against Tiger Mask, Hanma, Desperado, and Umino. Bishamon versus Callum Newman and Great Okan. And then Yo and Yano against Bolton and Taguchi. It'll be interesting to see who loses in that one also. Uh, Taguchi seems to be the most likely to me, but we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. So we won't actually, so we'll have the shows to review for the fourth and the fifth for next week. And then we will have a live show recap on the 12th. And then we'll have what another show on the on the fifteenth. Yeah, we'll be back right? on that Thursday as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. there'll be other things to talk about by then. Hopefully, and, uh, <laughs> well, that will we'll have the beginning of Fantastic Mania. Oh then, yes, that is the twelfth through the nineteenth, and so we'll be seeing that. And uh, then, of course, that all leads up to uh, February twenty third and twenty fourth. That's a Friday and Saturday in uh, Sapporo, and on the twenty third, the Never Open Weight Title. Uh, Evil versus Shodomino, Desperado against Sho in a singles match, Tanahashi versus Matt Riddle for the TV title, and the global title, Nick Nemeth, of course, former Dolph Ziggler against David Finlay in the first global title defense. The 24th, we'll have all those singles matches with LIJ against just five guys, ending, of course, with the IWGP World Heavyweight title on the line, Tetsuya Naito against Sanada. Uh, let's see what else is on that one. We'll, uh, yeah, no, that's the that's the main point. What if Sanada actually beat Naito that night? I will swallow my tongue. I really will. I, I would be absolutely <laughs> astonished. And like of course, just other- internet, like we we haven't actually like talked about what it could mean if after all of that, Sanada just wins the wins the belt again. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the, of course there is a, there is also a big stardom show, uh, the anniversary show, their anniversary thirteenth anniversary show coming up this weekend, Colin. I I'm I'm the jury's out on whether or not I'll be able to watch that one live uh, and, and order it. Uh, depends on what's going on that day. I might have a commitment that I have to do right there. So we That's, have other uh, things to I, do. I, I want to watch the show. It's just a question if I'm going to be able to order it and watch it in the same day. And if I can't, I might as well just wait for it to come out on Stardom World a couple of days later. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Dunson says. If Sonata wins, we're doomed. Yeah, kind of, pretty much. I don't anticipate that, though. I, I really feel like this is uh, going to be a, a Naito win there. So, yeah. yeah. Coming up, that's it. And, we, all, you know, Fantastica Mania is always a good time. That's the 12th through the 19th, and we, we'll be covering that uh, also. So, You want to hear a funny story? Uh, it has nothing to do with wrestling, but it just made me a thought everyone would find it funny since we're talking about not doing a show on the Super Bowl. Uh, my wife's birthday was during the NFC and the AFC championship game, and okay. I am a 49ers fan. But I remember last year where the NFC championship, Brock Purdy, tore his ACL, and the game was miserable. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to go see Amy Poehler and Tina Fey do their oh. stand-up routine for my wife's birthday. How was that? We, it was fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, Fred Armisen came, did like a – accent thing around the world and they did a weekend update thing it was great 
Good. Halfway through the show, some dude yells, Niners won. And when I started the show, they were losing 21 to 7. And it was mm. one of those things where I was just like, if I don't want to be watching this in misery when it happens. And then they won. And then a bunch of people groaned because they were doing question and answer for the show. And somebody wrote in for the question and answer segment, what do you do if you're the husband and you bought your wife tickets to this show, not possibly comprehending that the NFC championship game would be happening with the Niners in the Bay Area at the exact same time? And my wife looks at me and it's like, did you write that? I'm like, I swear to God, I didn't. What <laughs> <laughs> me, one me, one me. But uh, that's why we're not doing a show on the 11th and we're doing it on the 12th because the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Thank since, you. We, since we have time, can I do a, an adjacent story to that? Absolutely. <laughs> when I was very early in my relationship with my, with my current partner, uh, she and I uh, wanted to see The Lion King. The Lion King uh, musical was touring. So the big Lion King musical, the Disney Lion King thing. I go and I look online and, and tickets are hard to come by. It's really difficult, except there's one night when I could actually get a pretty decent seat. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I grab them. You know, it's the only place where I could get a pretty good shot at this without being way back in the rafters or anything like that. I get these two seats all excited. I tell her she's excited. We're thrilled. Holidays go through. We pass through New Year's. It comes up. I look at the ticket and I realize that the reason there were still tickets available. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So, so the whole time, <laughs> the, 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 the biggest game of the year is going on. And uh, I was sitting there uh, at the Lion King right there. I have to say, it ended up working out because, first of all, the Lion King's a fantastic show. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good musical. The other thing is, it was the year, I don't know if you remember this, Jeremy, they had the weird power outage in the stadium that year, and the game was delayed about 45 Love minutes. Love it. <laughs> I made it home in time to see the end. So that Love worked it. out anyway. But that's another one where you're just like, you know, you, you got to check those dates, folks. If you're, if you're gonna be doing you know that. what I call that? What's up? A true instance of Hakuna Matata. Ah, yeah. No worries. <laughs> I always love Hakuna Matata. Just I saw that I didn't make this up. This was like a, a comedian or it was a tweet or something like that where someone just said, uh, you know, gee, kid, what's the matter? Uh, you know, well, let's see. My father was murdered in front of me. I was run out from my <laughs> homeland and I'm not allowed to ever see anybody who ever loved me again. And Hakuna they just said, well, have you tried not giving a shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably didn't work out for him. <laughs> Have you just tried not giving a shit? Have you just so, tried? And I All guess right. we don't either. So, okay. Now, I, I have, is there anything? Oh, yes. Uh, Dunstan had a question we want to get into. He said for later on, but with Gaijin's becoming more expensive for the company, should Tanahashi, uh, President Tanahashi does, uh, limit the amount of Gaijin's by importance? Thoughts no. on that, Jeremy? No, not really. The, the use of Gaijin in New Japan is incredibly important towards the advancement of the rest of their talent. And there are ways to use them and utilize them and uh, making your budget work. And that is a part of every wrestling promotion is finding the talent that is valuable and you can get the best bang for your buck. And there are a lot of guys there that, you know, they are starting to get more expensive. You know, that is absolutely true. But, you know, the company isn't broke. They just can't afford, you know, the top guys. That they can't afford to pay main event money to the guys that can be main event elsewhere and willing to pay it. The scale gets a lot different when it's down at the bottom of that 
pay scale rather than at the top. And I think the guys that we're thinking of are more at the bottom of that pay scale. Yeah. And, and the, the key for all, all of uh, Japanese wrestling, who, which has always had a gaijin element, ha- has been just to find the right guys for the right price. And when times are rough in Japan, what they've done is gone out and find maybe some indie guys. They were, they've always been good at spotting talent in there. You know, like Will Ospreay wasn't Will Ospreay when they brought him in. You know, and back then, you know, and, and neither was Zack Sabre Jr. for a minute. They knew they were talented, mm-hmm. but they weren't stars in the U.S. They didn't they didn't have to sign them away from anybody. You know, and there are people coming up in Rev Pro. There are people in MLW that are talented that they maybe not that AEW and WWE blow them off and are uninterested, but you can't bring everybody in all the time. You know, and so you might be able to grab some of these guys. Now, the question, of course, that is nerve wracking is. Until the economy of Japan improves, is it a system where they're basically a farm team for the, for you know, if someone does get over big, are they just going to get swiped up? Well, that's always a risk you got to take. But I, I don't look at it like that. I look at it as New Japan is a rep builder. You go in there to build your name, to build your rep, to get your opportunity. New Japan, unfortunately, is never the end goal for the people traveling to Japan and are not yeah. native. To well, that's true, too. That's yeah. the arrangement. You know, like you use them for the period of time. You get the maximized value out of it. Some of these guys are always going to be welcome back because of the way that they have developed the uh, combative slash, you know, relationships with the fans and the audience and the promotion. But this is it. This is how it works. You know, there's going to come a time where Mokli isn't going to be around in New Japan every other month. You know, in two or three years, this whole arrangement that we have is just going to be done. It could keep happening because he loves doing it. But it's like every one of these guys, there is a shelf life. There is a window that it happens, and there is a point in which it's like, cool, it's not happening anymore. And we have to just be thankful for the time that we had. It's important to note that every single leader of Bullet Club has eventually been signed away by an American company. Oh. Every single one. And that's going to keep happening. It's always been a part of it. And in the in the olden days, uh, the Japanese wrestlers would run off the foreign heels. They would just run them off. You know, they would they would beat them and they would send them back and they'd get new ones. You know, they would just bring in different guys. Uh, the life cycle lasting years, plural, is uh, basically a 21st century thing that really wasn't happening a whole lot before where you know you would get guys that would come for years and years i mean you know stan hansen and all japan and all that but yeah hulk hogan for years until he didn't anymore there were always exceptions to that but uh, a lot of it was guys cycling in and out where they would run roughshod for a while but then lose to the top japanese guy and they would go away for six months Mm -hmm. wouldn't see him maybe even for a year or they would come back for the tag team tournament and then you know that type of thing so uh, this mean, is all just part of the circle of life if we want to bring it back to the Lion King in uh, Japanese wrestling. <laughs> the like, Think about how the people all left this past month. You had Tama Tonga who's like, hey, listen, I've been doing this for 14 years. I got to get back to my family. It's not about the money. It's about like where I am in my life. And I can't keep doing this with kids on the way. We had ELP on the show and he's talking about like, hey, contract time is coming up and we're going to have to have a conversation about this even before Wrestle Kingdom came in. You had Clark Connors and a couple of people go, hey, you know, contract time. Everybody's talking about like, hey, you know, like putting up the blinders, putting up the, the light signals, like, hey, time to pay me a little bit more. 
and they probably can, you know, with Okada being gone, but it's also a diminished roster and you have to prove your worth. If you want to get paid more next year, you have to deliver upon this year. It is an arrangement. And, you know, this is an opportunity for a lot of people to step up up this year. You know, an absolute just, there is a void at the top. And if you're hungry and you're good, this is your window. And if you are somebody who hasn't quite made it to WWE or AEW yet, then the idea of maybe you're in Australia, maybe you're in Rev Pro, maybe you're in some of these smaller companies in the United States, the idea of being a featured gaijin in New Japan is clearly a way to get noticed. I mean, they they all know as well that uh, you know that, that every leader of Bullet Club's been signed, so uh, they they know the people are looking. They know yes. the people are looking, so they'll get talent. It's just a matter of they're going to have to find some, you know, they're just not going to be able to compete with, but, but they never have. Finn Balor left, you know, Kenny Omega left. They all left because American companies were willing to pay them more. That's just how it goes on there. So who, we'll, who on the New Japan roster in 2030 is going to be the guy we're talking about, like John Moxley? Is it going to be Gabe Kidd? Is it going to be Bolton Oleg? Is it going to be mm-hmm. some guy that we don't even know of that is just the new standard bearer this guy coming in from another promotion or this guy that's already been in the promotion and it's basically just redefine themselves as this master like uh north american brawler that comes across mm-hmm. or you know european brawler that comes across mm-hmm. like who's going to be that guy that sits here we don't have any idea when it was 2018 and john moxley showed up 2019 and john moxley showed up in new japan pro wrestling for the first time like the landscape of what it looks like now, we kind of had an inkling, but not nearly as much as you'd think we would six years ago. So six years from now, we're going to be in a completely different landscape. And it's just that's the cycle of pro wrestling. Like and I mean, and New, New Japan has survived things like this before. At one point, in one month, Anderson and Gallows left. That was one of their mm-hmm. top tag teams. Gorillas of Destiny basically took their spot as the top heel perennial tag team contenders after that you know that that was that was anderson and gallows they were a big deal in new japan aj styles left he was the leader of bullet club and a a world champion nakamura left all within in january of that year Mm -hmm. and they just they found new guys you know they they just did and uh, that's that's part of the that's part of the cycle there and uh, colin mentions that they should have signed nakajima i'm dismayed they didn't uh, we don't know what happened there. If they tried, if they didn't try, or anything like that, I'd like to see him there too. Uh, if you have the idea that guy, Nakajima went straight to the top of one of those smaller promotions rather than just being in the midst of the mid card in New Japan, I get it. I get yeah. why he went and did that instead at All Japan. Maybe so. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, the, geez, the All Japan guy I'd want is Kento Miyahara anyway. But sure. good luck getting him. That's a, that would be the guy I'd want. So I was looking back. So we we, we go. We were talking about the past leaders of the Bullet Club. I was looking back at this time of year, you know, the new beginning when, mm-hmm. when, you know, I'll, I'll take it literally, what were the new beginnings of past years? So I, I decided to look back a few years, went five years, 10 years. And then I, I look further back. I, I'm going to, you, you want to know where we were in this time a few years ago? Cause it's an interesting Heck spot. Yeah. Let's okay. see if I remember if we walked this through. Five years ago was 2019. Now there were two different things going on then. They had the new beginning tour, just like we have now. They were also doing a new beginning in the USA during this period. Did four shows over here, and uh, in in new beginning in the USA was in Charlotte, North Carolina, on this date five years ago. Wow. The opening match. Listen to this one: 
Carl Fredericks, who is uh, now what uh, Eddie Thorpe in NXT, mm-hmm. uh, and Clark Connors went to a ten minute draw in the opening match right there. Uh, there was a great Ocon American debut match where he defeated Tracer X. Uh, Colt Cabana and John Schuyler beat Lance Archer and Shane Taylor. This was only five years ago, but this feels like forever ago. I don't even remember this card. (laughs) Villain Enterprises, Marty Skrull and Brody King defeated Jeff Cobb and Jonathan Gresham. So obviously still world. I don't think so. I, I, I feel like I would have seen it if I special match. Davy boy Smith defeated Alex Coughlin and then, Lifeblood, which was David Finlay and Tracy Williams, beat Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero. Hmm. Lifeblood, main... that was that crap ROH faction that they had mm-hmm. with uh, uh, maybe Taven. Taven was in it. Wow, there you go. The and then the main event in Charlotte was the U.S. title on the line. Juice Robinson defeated Beretta in 27 minutes 29 seconds. They went long. So this was after Juice Robinson beat Jay White for it at the Cal Dallas. Yeah, exactly. So then, at the same time, now, the new beginning in Sapporo was going on over in Japan, different date. It was on the okay. 4th. Uh, they drew 4,868, so there were two days, just like, just like this year, except it was February 4th and 5th, so a little earlier in the month. But listen to these attendances here, uh, Jeremy. On uh, night one of that, 4868 was the attendance. On night two, 6089. So 2019, New Japan pretty hot. Uh, the opening match, by the way, at the new beginning in Sapporo, Ren Narita and beat Ue, uh, Yuya Uemura. So there you go. old is new again. <laughs> Second match, I, I, I'm not going to read out the entire card, just going to hit the highlights, but Manabu Nakanishi and Toa Hanare defeated Ayato Yoshida. There's a, there's a young guy. He wasn't necessarily just like a, a New Japan Dojo young lion, mm-hmm. but a guy, and, and Shota Umino. And uh, Yoshida is still wrestling, but for small promotions around Japan. He, he just did a little bit of a run in New Japan where he was basically booked like a young lion there. Uh, I'm trying to see what else was interesting on this one. Oh, yeah, uh, we had... Uh, special match, Minoru Suzuki defeated Sonata. Uh, Evil got his win over Zack Sabre Jr. I remember the buildup to this is that Zack would, this is when we had babyface Evil with LIJ, right? Mm-hmm. And Zack was the jerk with uh, Suzuki goon and, and Evil couldn't get over the hump. And I remember just sitting there, man, I, I really, it feels so weird. Man, I really hope Evil gets his win over Zach finally. Like I was really rooting for Evil to win, and he did. He got it. He got the win over Zach in Sapporo. But that was actually a big deal. Like Evil couldn't. He, it was his bogeyman. He could not get was over that, the hump of Zack Saber Jr. Was that the year how the torture formed, or was it the year after? No, no, it was later than that. Yeah, was, yeah. Well, twenty nineteen. I think it was. Was that? I think it was in twenty. Was that? In, yeah, I guess so. A little bit later than that. Yeah. Because uh, he beat uh, Evil beat Naito for it. And was that in 2019? Point, yeah, at this point, Hiroshi no. Tanahashi had the belt, right? Um, I'm double checking now. I believe so, because Naito was the Intercontinental Champion at this point. Right. So Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi beat Kenny Omega because this was right when AEW was forming, and then Omega mm-hmm. wasn't even at New Year Dash, and then Tanahashi immediately lost it to Jay White uh, at the end of the New Beginning tour. There you go. Okay. There you go. So yeah, I remember was, from from memory. <laughs> special match, by the way, in Sapporo. 
Jay White and Bad Luck Fale defeated Okada and Tanahashi. This is when the dream team didn't work. Remember how they mm-hmm. Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi would team up and then they would lose. Like the, the, whole, the, the whole dream team thing would fail uh, fairly frequently. It was a weird was story. Was balloon Okada? Hmm. 2019. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Like it was a weird year for New Japan. <laughs> very, very weird year. Second night. Uh, so, folks, so for people who don't know, Balloon Okada was a phasing Okada's career where mm. he lost the title and he decided to bring a a pile of balloons, like helium balloons, as part of his ring entrance. And he was just yeah. He was going through an existential crisis is what <laughs> it appeared to be, but they were just like, oh, you know, this is Okada just trying to thing out. Kind of like he tried out the money clip. Not everything was a winner with Okada. <laughs> well, he did the whole thing with, like, he lost he lost the title, and then he lost to Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not in a particularly featured singles match. It was kind of in the middle of the card almost, mm-hmm. uh, maybe third or fourth from the top, which was unusual for Okada at the time. So he was going through his crisis. Dunson says that he went back to being the Rainmaker in 2019. So maybe that maybe, well, Balloon Okada only lasted about, about I don't a know, few four, months. So months, if he got back to the uh, later on in the year before he got into the G1 and probably yeah. won the G1 for one of several years of his, uh, his run, that makes a lot of sense. So day two, we had uh, Toa Hanare defeated Yoda Suji, Young Lion Yoda Suji at that point. Uh, Tenzan and Ren Narita defeated uh, Takashi Izuka and Takamichi Noku by DQ. That was when Izuka was getting DQ'd all over the place. Uh, what else was on this one? Uh, Drew Huge, even though there aren't the same. Uh, spe- IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles were on the line in this one. That would be Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Shingo still booked as a junior heavyweight. They defeated Kanemaru and Desperado, 18 minutes and four seconds uh, to defend their junior tag team titles. IWGP heavyweight tag team title match was Evil and Sonata as the the, uh, tag team champions. They defeated Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. in that one to defend. That was actually probably a pretty decent match. Probably, almost certainly was. And then the main event, IWGP intercontinental title in uh, 21 minutes and 31 seconds, Naito defeated Taichi. So that was it. There you go. And, uh, yeah, they were just doing things like uh, like Okada. This had to have been Balloon Okada because it was Jay White, Fale, and Chase Owens beating Tanahashi, Okada, and Yoshihashi underneath. Like yeah. the fifth, fifth match out of eight. Yeah. So there you go. So in 2014 and 2012, there weren't any major shows on this week in history. So I I wanted to go back a little bit, but they were leading up to bigger new beginning shows that we'll talk about in the future. But I wanted to go back, Jeremy, to the last time, since Okada is on the mind, right? Mm -hmm. The last time Okada wasn't a factor in New Japan was 2011. So I decided to go back and look at what was going on in 2011. So the year before Okada, Okada's on excursion at this point. He's over there suffering in uh, TNA as Okado uh, or whatever. Kato. Yeah. Uh, na- named after a, uh, a bad stereotype from an American television show. The it's tour was called, name. the two was called New Japanism. That was the, it was called New Japanism. Mm. And uh, some interesting names here in this one. The, so Got yeah, a real brain one. trust putting those names together. Yeah. Opening match King Fale. Not yet bad luck, Fale. He defeated Kiyosuke Mikami, who's now El Desperado. Uh, we also had, uh, uh, what else? Okay. Yujiro Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito. So their tag team, he hadn't, uh, Yujiro hadn't turned on him yet. 
course, uh, Bullet Club wasn't uh, created until 2012. So this is pre-Bullet Club. Takahashi and Naito, uh, the uh, team, they defeated Hiroki Goto and Tama Tonga in a, in a match there. Uh, we also had Yuji Nagata, Wataru Inoue, that's a name from the past, Prince Devitt, so Finn Balor, mm-hmm. and Ryusuke Taguchi. So that was when uh, Devitt and Taguchi were one of the best junior heavyweight tag teams out there. They defeated Chaos, Shinsuke Nakamura, Toro Yano, Gedo, and Jado. <laughs> and the semi Probably a pretty fun match. The final, that one, uh, and that one, the main event, uh, that one was an interesting uh, matchup here. Listen to this one. This was Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, and Tomowaki Honma defeated Kojima Goon, Satoshi Kojima, Nosawa Rongai, another name from the past, and Taichi, pre-Suzuki Goon Taichi. So there you have that one. That was uh, New Japanism uh, on this uh, this week back in 2011. So that was uh, that was what was going on in New Japan this time uh, this time of year before Okada. So what were you doing in 2011? What was your life like? I was still living in very southern Indiana at that point, uh, basically in Louisville metro area. And, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was working there for, uh, geez, I had already left, I'd already left UPS. So I was working for, yeah. So I was working down there for uh, census. I was census bureau. I was, I was working for the census bureau. Then. There you go. But, uh, yeah, that was in, uh, in around the Louisville Metro area. That was before I moved to Texas. Good grief. What was I thinking? You were thinking, uh, I was oh, thinking I need to move to Texas. Texas. I don't know. <laughs> I would have been, I would have been in the process of starting to look for what, became my job down here and right eventually i just had to i was trying to get a job down here for a while and i realized that they would see a louisville or uh, you know a southern indiana address and not take me seriously so i just i just packed my stuff and moved to austin i didn't have a job and i just moved down here and i just i had an austin address and then boom i started getting interviews (laughs) it's like oh okay this person's actually here uh so that that worked but uh it took a while to work up the guts to that I was in a pretty bad place 13 years ago, if I'm being perfectly honest. Is that right? Uh, I was was getting, I was going through a pretty bad divorce, but I was Mm. gainfully employed. Everything was fine. The personal things were just like that. I was just, I dove into wrestling. I tried to use it as like an escape, comic books, wrestling, the Marvel movies, basically trying to avoid any type of human interaction that I could with other people. And then, uh, yeah, you know, 13 years later, figured it out. Got, got my life back together, and here we are. I would definitely say that both New Japan and us are in a better place now than we were 11 years ago. I would definitely agree with you on that one. So a much, much better place now. I've got a really yeah. great uh, really great partner. I'm in a much better city, and I'm pretty happy down here. So that, I mean, I think you're talking about your personal life partner, but I'm going to take it as a compliment if you meant me as your partner uh, sure. in this podcast. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to one of my best friends about New Absolutely. Japan Pro Wrestling. I, things are so much better. This is great. Can you believe that we're on episode 88 of this thing? And before, no. like... Before the end of this summer, we're gonna have a hundred episodes of this thing in the can. That seems incredible. That seems yeah. incredible. So looking away, ninety minutes with, at a time. Yeah, it really is amazing, and uh, we're just gonna keep on going uh, through all of this time in New Japan. And and again, this this feels like an area where New Japan is getting through these new beginning shows with the bare threads of the original plan, right before they realized they were losing Okada and Tamatanga. And uh, because I really feel like probably on, I bet on New Year's Day, if you would ask the New Japan office, 
are you losing either one of those guys? They would probably say no. no Tom Billy said, good. we feel good that they're sticking around. They knew Osprey was going. We knew that one. But, you know, they say, yeah, we're losing Will. That's a bummer. But at least we have Okada. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I feel like these New Beginning shows are just kind of a way to get through this little period. And then there's going to be an actual new beginning. Uh, you know, when these guys are actually gone from the, well, I guess Tamatanga is gone from the company. But by then, Will will be totally gone. Okada will be totally gone. We really will have a new beginning as we move toward the New Japan Cup on into G1 season, everything else. And it's an exciting time. And we're going to be here each and every week uh, to walk through it and uh, see what happens. Because yeah. I just have a feeling we're going to be looking at a very different New Japan in six months than the one we're looking at. We now. are we are in the calm before the storm. And before the 100th episode that we uh, just previously talked about, I'm going to say if I give you an over under of three what the fuck moments before <laughs> the 100th episode that happens on New Japan programming, I'm going to take the over on that one. Yeah, I would take the over on three. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I think there's going to be some strange stuff going on here. So, and I think we're the sum of it, I think we're going to be thrilled at. And if I know New Japan, there's going to be a couple things where we're like, oh, come on, guys. There's going to be a little bit of that in there too. <laughs> Just Did like, you, you know, have to do that? Is I, that the call? <laughs> don't be so conservative, guys. Go for it. Just yeah, let's see some new stuff. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll find out how all this goes. Point being, 88 episodes could not have done it without the people that watch and listen, and wouldn't have wanted to do it without the people that are watching and listening. So we've heard Thank from Colin, Dunstan, guests. Thank you to everybody. Yeah, uh, for the folks that join us live and for the people that listen later or watch later, we're so grateful. We really enjoy doing this show. It's one of our, it's, it's the highlight of the week for us uh, each and every time. And it's because we get to do that for you and interact with all of you. And we really appreciate it. So thanks for letting us do this for 88 episodes and many more to come. We're, we're very grateful. I echo all those sentiments. I got nothing more to add. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to the people who watch the show. Thank you for the feedback. Yeah, Stephen, take us home. Let's get out of here in 90. Next next week, we will be talking about those Cork and Hall shows and even more about that big Osaka event. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We'll talk to you again very soon.